it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you are listening to the Often Daunted Podcast, this is your host, Burke White, and I appreciate you tuning in following what was just a too close, I mean, it was so close. The victory was so close, and yet the Jayhawks pull out the win over Indiana in Assembly Hall, 75-71. to Just a painful one to uh, sit here and recap, but uh, not, not as painful as one might suspect. I mean, there was a lot going into this game just coming after just what a terrible Auburn outing that was. Um, there's a lot to take away from this game and to appreciate and to uh, hopefully see this team build on moving forward. And we'll get into all of that in the recap portion, which I will immediately follow up with the Indiana news as well as the Big Ten news and the results around the conference. Following that, I will get you into the previews of the two upcoming games. So, just a recording note, I released this episode a day late because, uh, two days late, I should say. Um, just holiday stuff intertwined with birthday stuff. Uh, just a busy week. Just a busy weekend. Um, thanks for tuning in now. But with the two non-conference games coming just so rapid fire after each other, just what a quick turnaround from Saturday to Tuesday to Thursday. Um, and with Indiana just having to take itself serious enough to handle business with those two games, I'm hoping to just recap those together. So uh, I'll be releasing that episode Friday morning for you. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you tuning in. Let's get into this one. We almost got those obnoxious blue bastards. We did. We almost got them. The Hoosiers played their hearts out. They really, they really, truly did. They were just unable to do the smaller things meticulously that made the difference in this game. The Hoosiers came out far more prepared than we've seen, but unfortunately, we, they just were not able to carry that momentous start the full 40. Throughout this entire game, Indiana was looking to max out the starters in this one, which, I mean, respect to Mike Woodson. A lot of us have been asking for that, and we got it in this. And on a, possibly no coincidence, maybe coincidence, we had a very respectable outing against the number two co- team in the country. The unparalleled usage in terms of the season so far of our five starters in this game could have had something to do with Indiana's inability to keep offense going as Kalel and Malik's second half from the field helped to spell defeat here for the Hoosiers. Yeah, it, it's not usually going to be the case that those two are going to be the glare, the the weakness, and so and plenty of things tied into this loss. But a major reason was just the inefficiency from who up until this game. I mean, we've been able to rely on heavily, and I, I'm not saying we can't. I I am going to rely on these two to bring the production every night. They are both walking buckets. We just did not get it in this game. Going a combined three for fifteen in the second half half from the Hoosier front court. Kalel and Malik. If if you're shooting at that rate. That, more often than not, is going to equal a Hoosier loss. That's just the most simple math that you can find in uh, how to defeat the Hoosiers. If that front court is being diminished to that extent, it is going to be a problem for this team. I mean, just that just speaks volumes to the ability of Trey Galloway to keep the Hoosiers in this game. But, I mean, it was, it was all sunshine and just momentum um, until that second half. 
and it, it's it's it was the troubles with the offense that maybe led to the weaker defense. It was just Indiana losing momentum, and you just saw, you saw it you saw it happening live in front of your face. It, it was like with the loss in Indiana cohesion on that offensive end, Indiana's ability to get a bucket when it needed to after sitting McKenzie after yeah, it, Indiana just was unable to find it, and uh, Kansas on the other hand was able to absolutely bolster their production in the second half. They put it on when we were taking it off, and they were able to take advantage of a defense that was taking it off um, down the line there. A defense that was far more forgiving than the one that the Hoosiers had come out of the gate with. But Trey Galloway, Trey Galloway, just what a career day for our Hoosier captain. Trey just put the team on his back throughout the entirety of this one, like uh, in the entirety of his time on the floor. 12 of 17 from the field, Trey just exhibited a confidence in each of his shots in this game, like every single one of them. It, it's a confidence that we have all been dying to see from him. It got just from him a captain of this team. Trickle down confidence, it starts with your captain, and uh, just great to see Trey finally be able to bring the amount that this team is going to need some nights to get a victory. 28 points for the new career high is a welcome sight to see from Trey. Him being able to unlock this in his game and just being able to re- provide it routinely, is, is it's going to be so important for the fortune of this team. If, by some crazy possibility, he is able to unlock this and harness what he was doing in this one, the mentality he brought into this, the uh, just the technicality of just his uh, t- his work around the rim is incredible. And it just was throughout, it was shining throughout this game. And if he can just find a way to bring it every time, this team is going to be so much more reliable in the backcourt. The, the, it, it, I mean, it fixes so many problems if we can rely on this to be here. Because I can't imagine our front court is going to have many days like this. I, I refuse to. There's too much talent. Those guys are awesome. If Trey can bring this, we we are golden, guys. We will we will figure it out. We are going to compete in the Big Ten. We're going to get a bid, and we're going to have a great season. So here's hoping he has it figured out. It's it, it's not like it was 28 points on Army, which, I mean, maybe he should have had, but it's not like that. Like, it was 28 points on Kansas. It was They, they weren't stopping him. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's, there's a little silver lining for you in just the way that Trey Galloway was able to perform throughout this entire game. The other side of the Indiana backcourt had Gabe Cubs been able to provide just any offense from the floor, and we've, we may very well likely have a win in this game. On the back of the best guard performance we have seen him from him on the year. I mean, it's just something he hasn't added to his game. But uh, for better or worse, he's in a position where we need it from his game. Yeah, I mean, it, he shouldn't be expected to provide it. I mean, it'd be unfair to condemn him for not. But man, it'd be really nice if he could start looking for his shot, start finding a way to contribute to the bottom line in terms of production and points for this team. Yeah, I mean, he did all the little things great in this, and he held a high-scoring Kansas backcourt, I mean, who he was guarding, to minimal damage in a game that a strong backcourt more often than not may be able to beat us in a given night. It's, it's, it's not fair to have to ask Gabe to add so much to his game, uh, just quicker than he may have initially anticipated. But with X out and Trey getting his game together, Gabe is currently the weak link in our like offensive production here, and we will need him to be more. We just need him to be more. It's not fair, Gabe. Listen, it is not fair. <laughs> but for better or worse, he's the guy. He's who we got, and we need to get the most out of him. Um, I, I have faith that he can figure it out. He was a high-scoring guard in high school. He knows how to put the ball in the bucket. Coach's son, he'll put the work in. I have total faith in Gabe to be able to figure it out it just was I mean it would have been great to see a little here that being said I mean defensively he was he was locked down I mean he was more than we could have ever asked him to be on that end in this game in this environment this was the biggest scene he's had to have experienced and he played tremendously admirably he brought the motor necessary to limit the Kansas backboard in a way that Indiana was going to be able to possibly win this game 
being able to depend on a three-star freshman just coming in that we thought would be able to develop and eventually be who we need. Like being able to rely on him defensively to keep Indiana in the game is quite a testament to where Gabe Cubs already is with the Indiana backcourt out of the way. Like tough, just a tough, tough night for the Indiana frontline bigs, the uh, four and five, Kalel and Malik. Like I said before, just yeah, just inefficient in that second half and far 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 beneath what we have come to be able to expect from these guys. I mean, they both played extremely hard. Kalel's other numbers speak to that, but uh, Kalel played hard for sure. Kalel played hard for sure. Sure, his shots didn't fall, but I, I still applaud the effort we saw him giving throughout this one. 15 rebounds grabbed is no small feat and uh, should put many, many people's minds at ease in that uh, his shots will fall. His shots will fall. If the inefficiency is the biggest thing here to critique about his game, I'm confident this one is will be just easily rectified by Kalel. He even even with the poor efficiency, he he was still able to post a double double with 11 points in this uh, close loss. If Kalel can have his typical touch, this is a Hoosier victory. Unfortunately, he didn't have it here. He was bringing the effort. He was bringing everything else necessary that gave Indiana a chance here. Um, so I'll commend him where commendation is due. Malik Renew went 4-for-9 from the floor as he ended the game with 13 points and 3 rebounds and 4 assists. Yeah, I, I, I would have liked for him to be able to take over down low in just that boom, 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 like cut, like death by a thousand cuts with what his game can bring sometimes. Um, yeah, like we, We've seen it at times this season, but uh, the Kansas front just was not having it here. D- despite the troubles and what could have been with Malik's performance in this game, I respect his ability to go- to uh, find good options with his four assists. He was looking to distribute and even more so impressive, but also tacked onto that is he only had two, two turnovers in this game. Um, Malik's turnovers have been a huge factor of what what I mean minor problems in our offense but with two turnovers in this game four assists I'm happy with him looking to get others involved I mean especially if he was just not feeling it from the floor so hey I'll credit I'll give Malik some uh some praise on that uh performance share in the ball the last piece of that front court in this game I think Mackenzie Mbako's game took another step forward being a source of reliable production sure our guy got in foul trouble uh, this limited him to 24 minutes in this game. But even even with that, it, in most games where Trey and Mackenzie and Baco are combining for 42 points on the day, I, I like the Hoosiers' chances. Un- unfortunately, it just wasn't the case here. Like I said, that efficiency, if it was just a scotch closer to the mean. Oh, it's a totally different <laughs> emotion I get to have while recapping this. But McKenzie began to find his uh, to further find his footing here in the college game as he went four for nine from the floor for 14 points. And as he was able to get to the line effectively, while he was beginning to show off some of his uh, ability to press the issue, he uh, was looking to get to the rim far more often than we've seen on the season. And his, his shooting was right in par as he went two for four from deep. But his willingness to look to put the ball on the floor and begin to penetrate offenses and like generate more for himself around the rim that is something that the Hoosiers should be able to take some comfort in following this close loss McKenzie came out of the gate looking to take over he truly did and in hindsight we may have been able we may have been a single errant dribble off the toe from that having been the start of an incredibly huge night for McKenzie and Baco he stepped it up defensively to be better able to anticipate the opponent's offense and ultimately he's just been able to read the defense, read the offense, the opposing offense, uh, just just far better than he came onto the scene able to do. He continues to take strides to bring just the most he can to this season's team. I cannot wait to see the player that this guy is going to become. He's inching in the right direction, and we're going to be grateful that we uh, went through some of those pains with him. I'm confident in that. 
The Hoosier bench was largely a non-factor throughout this whole game. Unfortunately, as far as bench production goes, we had three points total, uh, thanks to Anthony Walker being able to hit three from the line, three of his four. With him getting 16 minutes, Caleb getting 15, and CJ getting five, three points of total offense, is that is a less than favorable subsidizing effort from the bench. Nobody just found their opportunities. I mean, it was a total of four shots taken by the bench from the floor, um, none of which went in. Yeah, and, and it is moments like that where the bench is just so flat that you're like, man, would have been nice to have X in this game. Uh, it's moments like seeing Gabe Cuffs with two. Uh, would have been nice to have X. Of course, Gabe played astoundingly on defense, so uh, I like everything he did in his 37 despite the total production. Yeah, just, just uh, going to need more from them if uh, we really want to be able to have the legs necessary to win game, games like these. And, uh, like, even I'm just talking about our team, but credit to Kansas. Credit to Kansas. Credit to Kansas. Like, eventually it was Kevin McCuller who just took the game over with his ability to drive inside and more often than not get fouled and sent to the line where he shot an extremely effective 13 for 16 and just the a- absolute ice-cold ones he just ended the game with. Credit, credit to their ability to stick with this game for the full 40 to realize, yeah, yeah, it's, it's who has the lead at the end because they seized it right at the end. And in just the most gutting fashion, uh, ended the Hoosiers' hopes. That being said, with the, with like after giving Kansas that praise, I want to say what a joke the series of events that was. That was the uh, referees making the all about, out of bounds call in favor of Kansas. It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, just just the the manner in which he came out of the video review. I think he initially said it was Indiana ball before correcting himself again. That no, I did make the wrong call. It is Kansas ball. It can't all be put on officially officiating. Indiana should have won this game. And in, in Indiana needed to win this game, and unfortunately, they they just didn't. This this was absolutely a missed opportunity. But uh, the Hoosiers fought hard, and I'm still happy with the outcome. And just the I'm not thrilled with the outcome, but I'm happy with what I saw in this game, and the, just the inherent potential still in this team after I after viewing that one. We are out of non-conference opportunities. We truly are. And uh, we need to outperform initial expectations for the regular season if we want to see a tournament bid. That's the position we're in. Uh, wish we could have gotten this. E- even having missed that opportunity here, the Hoosiers showed a lot to give some hope to the fans in this game. Giving up the lead, especially in Assembly Hall, it hurts. It hurts. Hurts like hell. But these guys showed up to play today. They, re- they really did show up to play today with an effort that I, I truly believe can fuel some game-winning basketball, especially in such a down year in the Big Ten. No moral victories at home. No moral victories in the hall. If we want to take ourselves serious, seriously as a program, we have to truly believe there are no moral victories in the hall. But if Indiana can find a way to bring this each time, bring, bring what we saw today, if Trey can find a way to build on this performance and keep some confidence, if Gabe can trust he's doing the small things enough now that he should try to add more to his very admittedly young game, if, uh, if McKenzie can keep finding himself defensively while also adding more ways to attack the opposing defense, like off the dribble, as well as uh, catching and shooting, just if he can just continue to unlock his game, and if our front court is able to bring a more typical rate of conversion into these matchups, I like Indiana's chances. There was a lot to like. I would, I would take that team into a lot of fights, believing in them. With, yeah, just a, just a few of my thoughts on that one, and the, it, let's let's wrap it up. Let's get into the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. The good, we have Trey Galloway and his incredible performance. Trey Galloway with his career high, twelve for seventeen from the floor, 
two for four from deep for a total of 28 points. To go along with that, he had three rebounds and one assist. Just a great night of production from uh, someone that we would love to get more great nights of production from. Here's hoping that he can build on that and uh, we can see that same old confident Trey. Here's hoping that we can see the Trey we saw tonight appear in some more games down the line. The other good, uh, the crowd and the solid start. Just an awesome start way to come out of this game on fire for the Hoosiers, but uh, credit to the Indiana crowd. Honestly, anybody who showed up who was committed to candy striping out the hall, well done. Well done. Like, I genuinely think that stuff like that can go horribly wrong if it looks like shit. And uh, I'm ready to say candy striping the hall plays. It looks good. It looked like a fun environment. And uh, the Hoosier faithful were bringing the noise, bringing the energy that almost carried our boys to a victory here. Unfortunately, we saw some bad, and that is largely a reason for having lost that victory. Uh, the bad for this one, front court production, just just upsetting compared to what we can usually expect to get from these two guys. And I say front court, not not including McKenzie. I saw a lot to like in his game today. Out of Kalel and Malik, the efficiency, the efficiency, the efficiency. That killed them in this one. The other bad, the bench support. I'm not saying that we need to expect our bench to have multiple double-digit guys scoring, dropping buckets for us every night. But we need something. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't get anything in this one. And lastly, the downright ugly. And the downright ugly of this game is just the state of the stakes in that one. That was a very gettable and very impressive win on the table. Kansas's roster may be as shallow as it's ever been but they are heavily loaded with talent if we could have just keep pushing it on them keep putting it on them that was a gettable win especially like in assembly hall any game in assembly hall is a gettable win but with that kansas team and just how they were ranked as high as they were that would have been just such a nice feather in the cap heading into march that win takes a lot of stress off the potential outcomes of the big 10 regular season but unfortunately the hoosiers just were unable to seize it and for that reason now they will be heading into this Big Ten season with an understanding that they have to win games. They have to win games if they want to be dancing. And uh, that includes home and away. This can't be a standard home takes the win Big Ten season for the Hoosiers if they want to be able to make it to March because they let a game like this get away. And with, uh, yeah, the downright ugly out of the way, let's get into the show Walter Fish of the game. The show Walter Fish of the game is Trey. Of course it is. It's Trey Galloway, everybody. Trey Galloway, just an incredible performance, 28 points, his new career high. He brought it when X was out. We needed somebody to give us something there. And uh, Trey found a way to dig deep within himself and pull out the confident Trey we know and love, the one that I truly believe can take another step in his game, can uh, bring this more and more often, bring this to a Hoosier team that needs it now more than ever. Grateful to see him have this breakout, and uh, here's hoping we see more. That was your show, Walter Fish of the Game. Now let's get into some of that Indiana news for you. Rest in peace to George McInnes, a one-year Hoosier phenom, as we lost another Hoosier legend this season. George passed away early Thursday morning due to complications following a cardiac arrest last week at the age of 73. This is another loss. Indiana basketball, but this is a loss to Indiana basketball at every level, uh, high school, college, professional. He left his mark on each. I'll get into it a bit more on the Hoosier history hit following the previews. In other Indiana news, hey, I, I do not think highly of Bill Self. I don't. Anybody who's heard me discuss him on this show before knows that. But uh, still, Bill had some nice words regarding Assembly Hall when discussing the game afterwards. He said it's a long game. It was a hell of a win, a great atmosphere. The last time I came in here, I met John Mellencamp. That's probably my fondest memory of this place up until today. This place reminds me of KU. 
history, tradition, two true blue bloods out there. So, hey, I, I just wanted to shout out the fact that hey, Bill self-respects Indiana as a blue blood. I want to garner the blue blood status while I can. Uh, I have to, I'm going to hold on to everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I appreciate him recognizing Indiana as a blue blood. Whatever even that term means. I, yeah, I appreciate it, Bill. You still cheat and lie. But on to uh, a little bit more kind of related to that. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks tweeted out on X following that game, something that uh, speaks volumes to the character of the Indiana fan base. And uh, again, another Jayhawk just sharing kind words, and I appreciate it. Brian Haney had said, They say game recognizes game, and often that holds true. Today, what we experienced in the stands at Assembly Hall felt like tradition recognizing tradition. It's not often we sit elevated from the floor, but the broadcast seats at IU offer a slightly higher angle that put us right there with the fans, and one that forces those same fans to have an exit right in front of us as they head out. On the heels of KU's big comeback, hordes of disappointed Hoosiers had to patiently file out in front of us, and every single one had a kind word on the way out. Big win. Love your team. Congratulations. Good luck the rest of the way. It was sheer class from the home fans. They couldn't have been nicer. Perhaps we'd encounter similar grace in other places if we frequently sat in the stands, but this felt different. It felt special. Kudos, Hoosiers fans. Not only do you have a special building and rich history, but you've also got first-class fans worthy of such a program. Much respect at Indiana Men's Basketball. Hope to see you again. Hashtag KUBball. Hashtag IUBB. Very kind words. Very nice praise of the Hoosier faithful via Brian Haney, again, the voice of the Jayhawks. On his radio show Monday, Mike Woodson shared an update for Xavier, saying he's still going to be out. I don't know how long. We got him on the stationary bike and the elliptical machine. He's doing some work there, but he's not back out on the floor yet. So hopefully soon, because we need our senior point guard back. It would be kind of nice to have him back soon. And I, I don't know what to read into that. Uh, what I'm going to choose to read into that is Gabe Cups, keep developing, man. We we need everything we can from you this season. We don't, It sounds like we have no idea when Xavier's going to be good to go or if he's going to be good to go. So we, we need everything we can get out of Gabe Cups. See, and just however he performs this year, this isn't on him. I, but uh, I am excited for what this early just feast of minutes for him is going to be able to do for his development. What he is going to be able to build upon this, uh, I mean, unfair rations he's receiving right now. Honestly, that I don't know what other way to put it than unfair. He shouldn't have to have all these minutes, but he does. And uh, he's doing a hell of a job with it. And we, we need him to keep doing it if, uh, yeah, these quotes from Mike regarding X are going to seem just as hopeless as this one sounds, I guess. I don't know if it's hopeless. It just sounds a little hopeless to me. Rob Cassidy weighed in on Derek Queen's possible timetable for commitment this week. When on 24-7 Sports, he had written, uh, Nothing has been confirmed when it comes to a timetable for an announcement, but the annual Hoop Hall Classic event in Springfield, Massachusetts, is a possibility that has been kicked around behind the scenes. He went on to say, The event starts on January 11th, with Queen's Montverde Academy team scheduled to play January 12th through 13th. Select games from the event have been broadcast on the ESPN family and networks in the past, so it seems like a logical setting for a nationally relevant commitment. Indiana offered 6'2 point guard Jonathan Sanderson this week, a uh, Michigan native who announced his receiving of an offer via his Instagram. This is the number seven rated point guard, number 54 overall um, in the class of 2026, and I believe he was in attendance for the Kansas game, and along with just a plethora of other recruits we're going after. Um, I think that reclassification kid, Jason Sannon, was there. But I just, I just wanted to speak to the environment and what I hope it told them. Like, that that environment, it, it has to be great to host recruits in. And, uh, yeah, you would have liked to have them celebrate the victory, to have them just uh, share in the anarchy that would have followed 
that close victory over Kansas at home. But but I'm hoping that what they still saw was a fan base waiting for saviors, was a fan base waiting for reasons to erupt. And I hope as competitors, as athletes, they see that and they want that. They want fans who want to erupt. They want fans who want desperately, which that environment in, the, in, in Assembly Hall, it is a, we desperately want great things from this team and you can feel it I, I hope that they that a lot of those recruits were the type of competitors who want to deliver to fans of that level of fanaticism I guess I'll call it a level of fanaticism so yeah I, I think that that was a good envi- environment for a recruit looking to compete looking to make people happy with his play because if, if any of them thought they could have been a different difference maker in that game if they could have contributed and brought what was necessary for the Hoosiers to get that victory if they can imagine themselves being able to Deliver that to that room that was ready to erupt. Like I that I have to imagine that's a nice little sales pitch. On to some national news. Some Big Ten news since our last recording. Uh, so this is some cross-sport Big Ten news. Uh, congrats to Tom Allen, who it sounds like will be taking the defensive coordinator position under James Franklin at Penn State. Here's hoping that somehow this means that Indiana gets to save some money from whatever he's making at Penn State. But uh, good to see Tom Lamon on his feet. Good to see him still have respect around this conference and uh, enough to land him a decent job, a more than decent job as the defensive coordinator at Penn State. In your Big Ten Friday news dump, um, just this last Friday, Michigan AD and the uh, prime minister of all cheating, if you ask me, awards manual, said that Juwan Howard will be returning as the Michigan head basketball coach this weekend. Of course, just like Friday News Dump, that's when you announce that kind of stuff. In a statement to the press, Ward's manual said, Juwan Howard will return to the Michigan bench Saturday against Eastern Michigan in his total capacity as head coach. Coach Howard, his doctors, and our medic experts remain aligned in taking this next step as he recovers from a September heart procedure. The return of our usual coaching structure comes after a review of an incident involving several individuals during a team practice last week. Based on the thorough internal review, nothing was found to warrant disciplinary action for anyone involved. As such, we will move forward with a focus on our team and our season. So a Michigan internal investigation came up with nothing. Shocker there. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, true to the AD's word, the reinstallation of Howard took place Saturday as the uh, Michigan Wolverines hosted the Eastern Michigan Eagles. This week, since our last recording, the Big Ten released weekly awards. With Fletcher Lawyer getting the Player of the Week honors as he was able to score 27 points with four steals and three assists as Purdue beat Arizona 92-84. He had went 11 for 18 from the field in that performance, including 5 for 9 from three-point range. Both of those, 27 points and four steals, marking his career highs. The Big Ten announced Freshman of the Week since our last recording as Owen Freeman of Iowa. The 6-10 forward paired 14 points and 11 rebounds in just 19 minutes on the floor as Iowa won 88-54 over Florida A&M. And Freeman is the first Iowa freshman to record a double-double since Joe Weiskamp in 2018. Now for some uh, results around the conference. After being given a ranking last week, Northwestern went and uh, had the worst Big Ten loss out there when Chicago State rolled into Evanston and beat the Wildcats 75-73. After being a 24.5-point favorite to win, this has to be the worst loss in the Big Ten's non-conference schedule so far. Even after that win over Northwestern, Chicago State still sits at 321 in Kempom. The Wildcats then proved they weren't the worst team in the Chicago metropolitan area as they beat DePaul 56-46. 
Stephen Crowell led the Badgers with 19 points and 9 rebounds as Wisconsin beat Jacksonville State since the time of our last recording, 75-60. Penn State lost to Georgia Tech, 82-81 in overtime as Kanye Clary's 23 points and Ace Baldwin Jr.'s 18 weren't enough to cement victory for Penn State in Madison Square Garden. Penn State, Georgia Tech, Madison Square Garden. Who'd have thought? Omar Rui dropped a career-high 25 points as Rutgers easily beat Long Island University, 83-61. Clifford was able to add to his efforts with 11 rebounds garnering him a double-double. Michigan State had a huge get-right game as they easily defeated the Baylor Bears. Michigan State shot 66% from deep, with Tyson Walker going a perfect 4-for-4 on his way to 25 points in the Spartans' 88-64 victory. Michigan easily beat their in-state neighbors, Eastern Michigan, like we said before. Joan Howard's first game back, 83-66. Olivier Nakamwa led the Wolverines' production as he had 17 points while shooting 7-for-10 from the field. Ohio State beat UCLA 67-60. The Buckeyes were able to get enough from four Buckeyes getting in double digits to take down a UCLA team that's play style is a slow, toned-down style, almost uh, meant to end up in the Big Ten next season. Owen Freeman was able to notch a double-double with 14 points and 11 rebounds as the Iowa Hawkeyes beat Florida A&M 88-52. Illinois beat Colgate 74-57, wherefore Illini were able to reach double digits. Coleman Hawkins with the game-high 16 for Illinois. For the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Jawan Gary was able to mass an astounding 18 rebounds to go with his 13 points as Nebraska beat up on Kansas State to the tune of a 62-46 victory. And lastly, of course, Purdue. Purdue showed out on behalf of the Big Ten in a pseudo-home game at Gamebridge Fieldhouse as they beat the number one-ranked Arizona Wildcats, 92-82. Three Boilermakers hit at least 20 points as Zach Eady had 22, Braden Smith had 26, and Fletcher Lawyer had 27. The onslaught in Purdue's production was too much for Arizona, despite Caleb Love being able to drop 29 points in this game. Now, before we get into that preview and that Hoosier history hit, I just wanted to share a few words from our sponsors. So uh, we'll get into that and then we'll uh, get on with previewing these two upcoming opponents here. The Often Taunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports. It's a network of podcasters, uh, writers, just uh, getting together, working together, seeing uh, if we can't make all, each of our shows a little bit better. Um, been a blast being able to bounce ideas off of everyone and uh, just being able to work with them from time to time. Really excited to see this show grow as I'm able to implement some of the advice that these guys are giving me and uh, really appreciate everything they've brought into this partnership. And uh, if you haven't, go ahead and follow them everywhere at Big Banter Sports. If you haven't followed me, the Often Daunted Podcast. This is your host, Burke White. Follow me everywhere at Often Daunted. Across all socials, that's where you'll find me, at Often Daunted. Um, If you like the show, feel free to subscribe. Doesn't cost you a penny, just helps my ego. If you like the show, please feel free to leave a review. If you hate the show, don't do anything at all. Just don't do it. Walk away. (laughs) Thank you so much. And uh, let's get on to those previews. All right, first up on the docket. Again, I said that I'm going to be previewing both of these non-conference games. The uh, Moorhead State and the North Alabama game together because I'm going to be recapping them together because Indiana should handle their business and beat the hell out of these guys. They need to. So I'm choosing to recap these as a pairing. So yeah, first up, Moorhead State. Tuesday, 6.30. Tuesday, the morning I'm releasing this. 6.30 p.m. on BTN. Moorhead State is heading into this one, currently sitting at number 155 on Kempom with a 143rd ranked adjusted offense and the 192nd ranked adjusted defense. They currently have a 8-3 record, having lost to Alabama, Purdue, and Penn State on the season. As far as mid-majors go, Moorhead State is never one to take lightly. I feel like they can often be seen in March, so like no days off when it comes to these guys. 
especially when this Moorhead State team is coming off of, of beating a team in St. Mary of the Wood College to the score of 102-33. to 33. What an insane score. This team has to be feeling it themselves, no matter how terrible that other team must have been. 102-33. to 33. Get out of here. The Moorhead State team is led by some experienced players, some with plenty of experience playing college basketball, and uh, as a team, they are currently enjoying a six-game win streak. Down low, they have Deontay Miles. Deontay had been playing college ball at Xavier prior to transferring to Moorhead for this season. The seven-foot senior is huge for their ability to defend the rim, but uh, very often when uh, this team seems to be playing stauncher competition, Moorhead State will go five guards deep in order to outshoot teams. They should oftentimes get beat by in a blow-for-blow, more traditional matchup, as any good team should when they're undersized. Like, you got to make it rain by three to beat uh, more athletic, larger teams. So expect to see a lot of that from Moorhead State. They are going to to try to beat us by three. I am confident in that. Beat us by the three. The head eagle in charge, Riley Minix, is the eagle to highlight as he is responsible for the bulk of Moorhead's production. The six-foot-seven forward and the former NAIA All-American is currently averaging 17.5 points per game. And if McKenzie isn't careful, he could spell trouble for our McDonald's All-American really starting to come around. Riley Minix can do it all for the Eagles, as he is also leading the team's efforts on the glass with 13.6 rebounds per game. Minix's offensive output is aided with that of Jordan Latham. Jordan Latham, now a sixth-year senior, following two years at UTEP and then two seasons at Milwaukee, and then having to sit out last season due to injury, Latham is the Eagles' second leading scorer, averaging 12.5 points with 6.4 rebounds a game. He has been able to shoot the three efficiently, currently shooting at a 44.2% rate from beyond. Moorhead State, much like other mid-majors in Assembly Hall, will be looking to unleash just a barrage of three-pointers. The Hoosier communication along the perimeter needs to be locked tight in order to bring the pressure necessary to slow down any Eagle production. Lastly, just uh, just what I think about this game, like what Indiana should do in this game, what the result should be in this game. This is a team Purdue beat by 30 points. And hell, this is a team Penn State beat by 23 points. You have to have a relentless showing if we aren't going to go out there and win games like Kansas. If we aren't going to win this one that we just missed, this gettable game that Indiana just let slip away, we need to go out there and trounce these teams. Indiana needs to put on a showing, a just merciless, just public execution level showing. against Moorhead, against these teams while we can. I'm not saying I'm expecting it, but man, we need it. That was Moorhead. Let's get into North Alabama. North Alabama, yeah, they're, ju- they're just going to be short because that's that's the ultimate thesis of both these matchups. Like, Indiana needs to be relentless. Indiana needs to crush these guys. On to North Alabama. North Alabama, Thursday. And like I said, quick turnaround. That's why I'm doing all this. Uh, Thursday, 8.30 on BTN. North Alabama is currently sitting at 225 on Kempom with the 217th adjusted offense and the 227th adjusted defense. They are currently 6-6 six and six on the year. North Alabama is an opponent that absolutely must be beat with prejudice in order for the Hoosiers to do anything positive with their net ranking in this game. The North Alabama production comes primarily from their tandem of guards. K.J. Johnson entered the season with four years of college basketball experience, with his first three seasons spent at Lipscomb and his last season spent on North Alabama. KJ is currently averaging 13.9 points for the Lions. Um, he is also shooting an impressive 38% from deep. Along with him, six-foot sophomore guard Jakari Lane makes up the other bulk of North Alabama's production, averaging 13.4 points on the season. He also leads the distributive efforts of the Lions, averaging 4.4 assists on the year. The largest force down low for North Alabama is 6'9 senior forward Damian Forrest. Damian Forrest now in his third season with North Alabama. Forrest is the largest factor on the boards with 8.5 rebounds a game, while also being able to produce well with uh, 9.6 points per game. 
Forrest doesn't make anyone fearful with his ability to shoot the ball, not at all, but he utilizes his athleticism to make the most of any time he's getting on the floor. And just my overall sentiment on this squad is we need to beat the hell out of them. We need to beat the hell out of them. There's not much more to break down with them. You have to beat a team like this. I, I, I know what I said when I said we should beat Moorhead relentlessly to aid our efforts like against any resume checkers come March. But this this North Alabama team was beaten by Moorhead State by nine earlier this month. So the team I said we need to beat relentlessly beat this team. So we need to beat this team super relentlessly. We got to beat these guys down and keep on beating them down. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thesis of the previews this, this episode. So, I mean, it's, it's a quick turnaround with this game Tuesday and Thursday. So the random work ahead and just uh, family holiday stuff to be done all week. I, I wanted to make it clear again, I will be releasing an episode the morning after the North Alabama game, recapping both of these two matchups. If Indiana wants to be taken seriously in the few months to follow, I have to trust that they're going to handle business and it'll be an easy recap for me to do combined. Here's hoping we see just that. Now I'm going to get you on out of here with a Hoosier history hit. This is your Hoosier history hit. Following the passing of George McGinnis, I just wanted to share uh, some of his, just the climactic career that this guy had, uh, just the various ways he affected high school, college, and professional basketball. This guy, this guy did it all in his life. And uh, yeah, just I just wanted to do a short profile on him and his career achievements. George McGinnis was born in Harpersville, Alabama on August 12, 1950. But even though being born in Alabama, he was able to have the pleasure of growing up in Indianapolis, where he attended Washington High School. It was in his time in high school that he was able to lead that Washington team to a perfect undefeated season, as well as a state championship in 1969. And while doing so, in that high school tournament, he was able to set the Indiana State Tournament record in points scored with 148 points in his final four games of high school. Following just that insane season, he was named Mr. Basketball for the state of Indiana. Following that Mr. Basketball campaign, George McGinnis took his talents to Indiana University Bloomington, where in the 1970-1971 season, if you don't know, that is the season before Bobby got onto campus, George McGinnis was able to become the first sophomore in Big Ten history to lead the conference in scoring and rebounding, while he was averaging 29.9 points per game in his lone season with the Hoosiers. Again, this is back when sophomores were varsity. Like, there was freshman teams back then, I believe. But yeah, his his one season with the Hoosiers, in which he was a sophomore, he averaged 29.9 points per game. All of this was able to earn him All-American nods while also taking home big all Big Ten honors in 1971. Following his time at Indiana, he immediately set off to take his talents to the ABA. And it was in his time in the ABA, and I mean when they made the conversion to the NBA, uh, in his years for the Indiana Pacers that he affected Indiana's professional history, as George McGinnis was one of the biggest names in the league at his time of arrival in the ABA. He was absolutely critical to the Indiana Pacers' two championship teams in his first two seasons of professional ball, in one of those seasons being named the playoff MVP, that being the 1973 season, in which he averaged 23.9 points and 12.3 rebounds in 18 playoff games to help the Pacers repeat as champions. And despite not winning a championship that year, in the year that was his best season, George McInnes was also able to win league MVP honors when he scored a career-high 29.8 points per game and despite not winning that title that season, in the 1975 playoff, he was nearly averaging a triple-double throughout that. Like, 32.3 uh, points, 15.9 rebounds, and 8.2 assists in 18 games. Just incredible. I mean, you can listen to... There, there's plenty out there of what, what 
the dudes who played with him say George McInnes was. He was he was a superhero. He was he was inc- he was just a force of nature on the court. And a lot of that, I mean, this speaks to it. Uh, re- he was able to record the first fifty plus point triple double in the NBA slash ABA history or playoff history. With 51 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists against the San Antonio Spurs in Game 4 of the 1975 ABA Western Division Semifinals. This is a feat that George McInnes accomplished that has only been matched by Russell Westbrook in Game 2 of the 2017 Western Conference First Round. George McGinnis became the first player in NBA slash ABA history to record 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists in a single playoff series, which he was able to do twice in back-to-back series. That being a series with the San Antonio Spurs in 1975. In the 1975 Western Division semifinals, where he registered a total of 38.3 points per game, 18.8 rebounds per game, and 9.2 assists per game. The series that followed was the Western Division finals against the Denver Nuggets, where he registered 30.6 points per game, 14.7 rebounds per game, and 8.7 assists per game. Much like his his feat before was only replicated by Russ, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the only other NBA player who has done such a uh, feat as he was able to do so in the 2022 Eastern Conference semifinals against the Boston Celtics with 33.9 points per game, 14.7 rebounds per game, and 7.1 assists per game. Now that was just the one series. He didn't do it in back-to-back. George did it twice, back-to-back. And lastly, just a, a historic career. Also was able to garner the accomplishment of being the first player in NBA slash ABA history to lead the playoffs in total points, total rebounds, and total assists. This feat was only matched by Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets in this, the most recent NBA playoffs. George McGinnis was a three-time NBA All-Star, All-NBA First Team, All-NBA Second Team, two-time ABA Champion, ABA Playoffs MVP, ABA MVP, three-time ABA All-Star, two-time All-ABA First Team, All-ABA Second Team, All-ABA Rookie Team, All-ABA Scoring Champion. He he did it all. He was an absolute ball player. And uh, yeah, if you want to go down a fun memory hole, uh, just go 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 check out what other players had to say about George McGinnis. I just wanted to share some of his accomplishments, some of his feats here in that Hoosier history hit for you. So thank you. Another Hoosier history hit out of the way. Another episode of the Often Daunted podcast in the books. Thank you so much for sticking around, for giving me a listen here um, Tuesday, if you're listening to this right the day it came out. I appreciate you guys so much giving me the listen, uh, giving me a follow across socials. This this hobby has been so much fun for me to undertake. And yeah, I, I can't thank you enough for get, <laughs> giving my uh, my hobby a little validation, giving me a listen. And uh, yeah, I appreciate any and all interaction I get with some of you guys out there in the interwebs. So I, I hope you enjoyed the show and I hope I can... Uh, Expect you to be giving me a listen on the episode I will be releasing Friday morning for you. Thank you all so much. God bless you and yours, Hoosier fans. I know this Kansas loss stunk. It hurt, but uh, there's there was a lot to like in it. I know, I know why that is. I, I might say something like that far too often, but I, I do genuinely believe there is a lot to like in the way the Hoosiers performed in that game. And uh, I'm going to choose to keep trucking forward with the uh, silver linings in mind. So, hey. Thank you so much. God bless you and yours. Take it easy, Hoosier fans. Lux at Veritas, down with the Eagles, down with the Lions. See you guys Friday.